You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com. Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. I'm Bethany. I'm Ashley. And I'm Becca. So today we will be covering Scarlet Chapter 8, but the three of us have not been together in a very long time. It feels like a very long time. Yeah. It's, for our listeners, it's been since Cinder, right? Yes. So, eight chapters? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Yeah, a while. I haven't seen either of you in a little while. How have you been, Becca? Hanging in there. Things are okay, I guess. Yeah, it's been very, very cold. It is 24 degrees right now, which actually is like a heat wave. So that's nice. Like the kids actually got to play outside for a little bit yesterday. They've been cooped up and just been monsters. And Jerry and I have just been sick of it. But it'll melt soon, the snow. It'll be fine. Yeah. How about you? You had surgery. How about you, Ashley? Did you find your gun barrel? That's what we need to know. No, I haven't found it yet. I haven't been able to look for it. Um, I've been super busy. I got a new class, and they are fantastic. So I've been doing a lot of, like, small group stuff with them. Um, I just took them through, if anybody's ever heard of the four lenses. It categorizes people on what your big lens is that you see through normally. And then it shows you the three other lenses that sometimes you have to put on for the position that you're in. Me, for example, I was originally just a blue And blue is very compassionate, very family-oriented, things like that. Since coming to this new position down here, I have actually changed a little bit. I'm still very much a blue, but I've taken on my least, which was the orange lens, which is more outgoing, outspoken, more spontaneous type of people. And I actually have a tie for my blue and my orange now. That was my top two. And then there's an analytical and then a very organized people as well as the blue or as the green and golds so it's very very cool that is cool i've never heard of that before i don't know that one so anyways welcome back we haven't been together in a while we have a couple (laughs) announcements we reached over 600 followers on instagram (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy wow and over 5,000 downloads yay dang yay So we're making progress. (laughs) And we have, is it five or six patrons now? Six, I think. So that's exciting, too, because I'm having a lot of fun with Patreon. So we also want to say a special happy birthday to our logo artist, Angela Wong, on Instagram. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. And a quick Patreon announcement. We did a vote for the title of Chapter 2 and by three votes, I knew you were trouble by Taylor Swift one. But in second place was Gaston's song, <laughs> which the name of the song is Gaston's song. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. I looked it up because I was I just was thinking of it as like, oh, that song Gaston sings. No, that's the name. It's called Gaston's song. 
So thank you for everyone who voted on that. And remember, if you join our Patreon, you'll get to to vote on bonus stuff like that and other great, really cool extra features. So you can do that at patreon.com slash princekaifampod. I think that's all our updates, which really isn't too many considering we've been gone for a while. True, 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 true. Yeah, bad. Should we talk fan art? We should. We have one from Kirstie.carter.art on Instagram. We have had hers before, yes? Yes, we've been lucky enough to share her several times before. And today we have Wolf. Our very first look at Wolf, which is exciting. <laughs> it is. We haven't gotten a ton of physical description of him, but I thought it was kind of dead on because he does look like part trustworthy, part troublemaker, and he's got the bright green eyes. He's got these sunken in cheekbones. His hair's a little wild. He's got like a scar on his eyebrow. Rico Suave. I don't know who that is. <laughs> What is he? Is he an actor or a... I didn't know that that was a real person. I thought it was just like a persona. I don't know. It could be a persona. That's what I see. I don't get the similarities at all, but I still like this. What did you guys think of this? I mean, it's okay. just, just what I got. <laughs> oh, dear. I love the cheekbones, the expression like the wrinkle in his neck like it looks to me and I am hoping this is not my printer it looks to me like he has a scar like right there on his jaw yes also oh and the eyebrows are like low and bold and like his hair and I love how they did the background how it's like tilted and like he's in a frame but his like head is protruding from the frame oh it's cool yeah it's super cool so other than thinking it looks like someone else, did you actually like it? I like it. Okay. It's all right. That was the only thing you said, so I wasn't sure if you liked it. Not my favorite type of art, but it's neat. I enjoy it. I do like this version of Wolf better than the the coloring book version, because there's a coloring book version. I don't mind them, because they're for a coloring book. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I know that they have to be somewhat based so everyone can color them. Mm-hmm. But the graphic novel ones... The graphic novel ones, I think, work because they are for the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they were to turn it into a cartoon or an animated series, that's probably what they would represent. I There's been some debate on this because the movie rights got bought to the series, like, several years ago. Like, two years after Cinder came out. So, there's people that are like, should we have a movie? Should we have a TV series? Should we have an animated series? I'm more on the side for the TV series. Because I think that you can get a lot more out of it. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, shows like Game of Thrones have proven that there is a market for a TV series versus a movie. And I know that there were a lot of people prior to who didn't think that, which is why Harry Potter was done as a film. People didn't think it was going to be successful if it was a TV series. I think streaming has made TV series more possible. What do you guys think? Animated series. I would prefer an animated series. An animated series or an anime, I should ask, I guess. Animated. Anime. Eh, kind of same. Similar. See, I don't mind anime, but anime is very cheesy in a way that I don't think works for this particular uh-huh. series. Oh. I, okay, I can, I can see where you're saying that. Yeah, I agree on the, on the cheese factor, and that's why I think I would want a TV series, like, not animated. It could be animated like, like Archer. Archer is animated. I don't know Archer. It's an adult animated series, and it's done fairly well. Let's go ahead and get into some chapter discussion. 
these notes this week, Bethany, were so sparse. I'm like, I don't know what Bethany's going to say. It's a mystery this week. Because normally I have like your thoughts on like every line. My notes are a little more limiting than they normally are because I was trying to to type it all with one hand, which like obviously for some people, the switching to only having use of one arm and one hand wouldn't be difficult, but it's been proving to be very difficult for schoolwork for me, if nothing else. Like with the housework and stuff, I'm doing my best. I can't like fold laundry, but I can vacuum. I can unload and load the dishwasher and stuff, but I'm having a lot of trouble one-handing all my classes. <laughs> so my phone does it. The voice to text, it doesn't always work the best. It works po- very poorly. Okay. Mine does 95% of the time really, really good, and then I can email those notes from Google, because mine has, it's uh, Android. Yeah, I can Docs. use the Google one, but the problem is what I write is academic, and it's very long, and it has specific parameters. So I have to go back and not only correct all of the like typos that it misheard, but I have to add in grammar, punctuation, spacing, separating different paragraphs the proper way. And it takes so much time that I might as well have just typed it. Okay. And it would have been more cohesive had I just typed it with one hand. Does your school offer like as part of their disability services any sort of like temporary typist for you? I mean, is that a thing? They offer a scribe. However, my school is an hour and 40 minutes away. And you can't do it over like video chat. You would have to go there. Yes. And I can't drive. Right. So I would either have to pay someone to drive me, which is it. I'm not working right now because I have one arm. So not what I could afford to do. Or I would have to like get a hotel there and go every day or something like it's just not feasible. So I'm just making do. That is too much. Yeah. Shoot. Well, man, I wish I could transcribe for you, but I have these children that don't allow it. (laughs) I could text you pictures of my notes from my notebook, but I'm not sure how well you could read that. (laughs) Yeah, I know that you have readable handwriting to me, but I don't know. I have readable handwriting for other people. My notebook is used by me. I don't try hard. It's just scribble scrabble. (laughs) No, but I'm used to, I mean, I think I could probably decipher it just because I would probably follow, but um, yeah, shoot. Anyways, so we're back with Scarlett and the last time we met her, her dad had showed up and had been tortured horrifically and she said she was going to go after the people that did it and to calm the police if she wasn't back in three hours. Yep. We pick up with, and I read this first sentence and I was like, whoa, what happened? And then I read on and I was like, oh, okay, that. Because we, we opened up the chapter with, the morels were all dead. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> and I was thinking like, oh, that's rather abrupt. Um, but then we find out like, obviously it's Letamosis because they died seven years ago, six children and their parents and this just broke my heart and it describes their farm their abandoned farm with the overgrown fields and the black flag on the house saying that they had the plague and the crops are left to fend for themselves and this just like I love this description because I don't know she just nailed the description I just am there you know the setting is very well descriptive you can picture everything I think I can kind of smell the type of area it would be. It's going to be like a little bit musty, but you can still smell like the sweet corn 
which to me, sweet corn has a very distinct smell because I grew up with it. Mud and dirt and stuff like that. Dust is obviously going to be relevant. Perhaps leftover animal smells. Like it's just very well described. I think I kind of feel like this part and when she is walking through the fights, you're kind of walking around with her. It feels very much like we're seeing everything through her eyes, including the actual fight scene. The way it's described, it's like we're seeing everything piece by piece the way that she's seeing it. And I think usually with authors, it's more of a generalization as opposed to this very descript play-by-play of every little tiny detail. But I think that that gives a much better setting. It is. It gives us a very good setting because I felt right into it. I mean, with what Becca said earlier about everyone being dead, I put yikes in my notes. <laughs> I was like, yikes. And then, yeah, I think that the the whole description of it really sets us in the mood for what this chapter is kind of going to be about. I really liked the inclusion of the black pillowcase. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. During the bubonic plague, they would paint a black cross. They didn't just do it to homes and areas, though. They would do it to the entrances of villages, like on trees coming into the village through the woods and stuff like that. So I found that very interesting that she included like a different version of something that would help to symbolize that this area is infested or like not necessarily quarantined, but, you know, a hotspot, a danger zone with typhoid mary the first place that she was employed where she was poisoning people they did a red cross on the building i think on the door for the first like week because typhoid is was very well is very contagious it's quite a bit easier to treat now once you have it but i i thought it was a really good inclusion i liked that she changed it to a pillowcase because obviously this is a world that doesn't have religion so using a cross i think would bring up too many questions when that would be the only relevance to religion at all so i like that she changed it to just like a black flag although the medroids of the quarantines in cinder didn't they have red crosses painted on them like they were from the red cross like that's still a thing well a red cross in the the red cross symbol for red cross is more like a plus sign than a cross because a cross the vertical is longer. True. So it's, I think more, to me, it's more like a plus sign than a cross. It doesn't have anything to do with religion, Red Cross, at all. No, it doesn't. And uh, that's the universal um, symbol across the board, like in wartime and such, that this person is of medical background, and you have to treat them a certain way, because normally those are going to be non-combatants. Okay. Okay. So, like, if you have a building that has a red cross on it, you're not allowed to actually bomb that building. Yeah, it says uh, three white medroids, yellow sensors, and red crosses painted on their heads. So they did have red crosses, but I, I still think it would be more like a plus symbol than a cross. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just an international symbol that still exists in this world that just means medical thing. Mm-hmm. Got it. It's important to mention and discuss because this is a world where for some reason we don't have any religious representation, at least not yet. And it makes you wonder why those type because obviously like different symbols become antiquated for different reasons. But you could argue that the cross doesn't necessarily only represent religion because, you know, Jesus isn't the only one who got crucified that way. But we've associated it with christianity for so long 
that I wonder if trying to use it as a different symbol would take more than the two or three hundred years we have this book. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would think, yeah. Because even if you look back, we'll be using swastika. Yeah. Is that originally a bad symbol? No. No, it's a sun symbol. It's used throughout the world, actually, as long as it's done in the proper form. It was used very heavily in Nordic yes. drawings and such like that. Hitler went, tilted it a little bit, and changed it into something evil. Well, he tilted it, and then he slit the top. What do you mean? I'm picturing it in my head, but the the swastika is actually several crosses that have been cut, cornered, split, and turned to the side. There's a documentary on it, Symbols of the Third Reich. You can watch it on the History Channel or National Geographic or whatever, but I saw it on Amazon. But good fortune and well-being. That's why I was confused, because what did you call it? See, a hooked, a hooked cross. A sun. It's also yeah. a sun symbol. See, I've, I've always been under the hooked cross was the origin I knew about it. No, this also, though, um, the Deathly Hallows symbol, same kind of thing, right? Victor Crumb thinks that it's Grindelwald's evil symbol, and Xenophilius Lovegood is like, no, that's the Deathly Hallows. That just means that you're a believer in the Peverell brothers. So. True. You're very true. Well, also, though, like the, the okay. Yes. Like when we were kids, just meant okay. And now it has something to do with, like, skinheads i don't know i have no well, i don't actually know there are different like the peace sign in the u.s means peace and then in other cultures it means something different yeah it's or like uh that's why i like using ross's hand gesture because <laughs> i know what it means <laughs> and anyone who is a fan of friends will know what it means and anyone who doesn't is just gonna be like okay <laughs> what are you guys doing but I think yeah. this stick is a good example because seven, eight, nine thousand years, it didn't mean anything negative whatsoever. We just saw where it meant good peace, well-being, yep. the sun. The sun, yeah. And it's only been since nineteen. Uh, no, 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 not nineteen forties. It would have been like nineteen seventeen, nineteen eighteen, because it started with the origin of the Nazi Party, not oh, okay. when Hitler took office. Okay. So it would have been early 19-teens. About 100 years. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel very old that that is 100 years because it does not seem that long. Not that I've been here for all of it, but you know what I mean. So let's try to bring it back. <laughs> bring it on back. Yeah. So we get a description of the abandoned farm. We do. A very good description. I really liked the use of the word ruffians because it reminded me of Tangled. You love Tangled. Those yes, but that's also like... How often do you hear that word? Ruffians? I don't hear it a lot, but I might start saying it to my students. <laughs> Just as a joke. So Scarlet's walking up to this farm. She's already sent a comm to the two Laos police. Their expected arrival time is 20 to 30 minutes. Yikes. I guess this isn't a, a huge emergency, but that's still a really long time. Well, it is, but it isn't because to Laos, I mean, right now... Remember how far that is from Ryu. Yeah. And, well, and the thing is, why is she calling the two Laos police? They really seem to be, like, the only police. And apparently, like, it is, seems to be in this world that Laos is the next closest bigger city. Because it says in here, this crowd wasn't from small town Ryu. Likely many of them had come in from Laos. 
Yeah, I wrote in my notes, too, that the world must be smaller now because of travel, because you're not on a nightly basis going to drive nine hours to watch a fight. So I have to assume that it's a much quicker transportation and a hover ride to get from Toulouse to Rio. And Mm -hmm. if that's the case, 20 to 30 minutes, that's not people are going to drive 30 minutes to watch something. I used to have to drive like 45 minutes when I lived in Clinton to see a movie. I did it all the time. And I have to assume that that makes this world that much smaller because everyone is so much more accessible no matter how far away they are. Even our world is smaller now than, let's say, even just 145 years ago when you still had to drive or take a train everywhere. And now we can get from one part of the world to the other in like an eight-hour flight. So the quicker transportation you have and the easier it is to access, the smaller your world becomes. Yeah, like from here to St. Louis, it is a nine and a half hour drive. It's an hour and a half plane ride. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect example of that. So yeah, the world is smaller because of the advent of technology, such as the hovercraft. (laughs) Did anybody else like the bare knuckle boxing? Because Quentin used to bare knuckle box. So I found this whole fight scene really funny. Oh my god, that's actually terrifying. I I don't think they ever got to the point of almost snapping people's necks. Hopefully not. Um, And this was before his time in the military. (laughs) But I was like listening to all of this and I was like, yeah, no, that's not the kind of bare knuckle boxing I've watched. (laughs) There were definitely times where it led to blood. I mean, you're hitting someone with your bare fist. But uh, definitely not where it got to a point where I was fearful of someone getting their neck snapped. Yikes. Yeah, it's uh, it's like MMA, but way more, way more. Can we talk quickly, though, about the description of these people that she's seeing? Because I'm picturing this entire crowd as a cross between the cast of Waterworld and Back to the Future 3. Two is the one where they went in the future. Three is the one where they went back to the 1700s or whatever. 18. Okay, so back to the future, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I was also reminded of um, the Capitol in The Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Yes, that as well. Like a cross between those things. Especially where it gets surgical manipulations. Yes, like it's kind of dystopian, but it's kind of not. And it's like futuristic, but steampunky. I don't know, like gritty. Yeah. Did you ever read the Ugly series? No, but it's on my list. It's my one of my sister's favorites. It's very good. It talks a little bit about when they become pretties, is what they're called, in that society. They go through a surgical change to become pretty. Okay. And become that standard of pretty. Lots of air quotes over here. And in there, they talk about the surgical manipulations that they actually go through like they change their teeth they change their bone structure for part of it they get very like predator looking like in the third book does anybody remember the name of the cat man because i don't want to just call him that because i know he has a real name he guest stars on tv shows because of his appearance and he's in wrigley's believe it or not He's a cat man. He's literally a cat man. He has tattooed tiger stripes all over his body. He has inserted piercings that he uses for whiskers. He has teeth that are implanted. He has contact lenses, follicles in his hair that have been altered. Whenever I hear surgical manipulations, I am reminded of individuals like him 
who alter their appearance to match their persona. Inner persona. Yeah. Yeah, I also think but, of derma piercings, which is what I want. Oh, I guess I wasn't thinking of those as surgical. I mean, yeah. Because they're just piercings. Is piercing considered surgery? Not surgery, but it you can't take them out. You can never take them out? Oh, okay, yeah, I, wouldn't, I would have issues with that. But also, this reminds me of the episode of SVU with the elf ear people. Mm, yes, yes. Subcultures, they're fun. I was smiling at it. Yeah, subcultures and such. I was agreeing. There's an agreeance there. Do you consider yourself a part of a subculture? Yeah, a military. Very much a subculture. And within that, within the military aspect, I'm part of IT, the comm, the 3DOs. I'm part of a subculture, for sure. They don't act like other people in the military. Definitely is a subculture. They have their own mannerisms. They have... Yeah, I guess they have their own rules and laws to abide by, too. They have their own court systems. Yeah, it's definitely a subculture. Yeah, absolutely. I apologize now because I feel stupid. It does make perfect sense to think of it as a subculture in that context because they have their own land. Yep, we have our own land. and all. They have their own, like you said, court system. They have their own regulations and things like that. How do we get to subculture? Because we're talking about how there is a subculture here that Scarlett really probably didn't notice until now because these people have all the piercings, the tattoos, the surgical manipulation. There's a girl with her dyed hair like a zebra's. There's a man on a leash dragged by a curvy escort droid. We were talking about subcultures. There's an obvious subculture in this actual area. Also, the cyborgs that were flaunting their cyborgness. Which is weird in this culture. Because normally they hide it like our girl with her gloves. There is a guy with a port screen embedded in his arm. That's weird, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, I don't have enough in my arm to actually put a phone there. Think about that. I mean, for a guy... It reminded me of those sleeves people have when they're running, only it's actually in your arm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. You would not need one of those little sport bands to put your phone in to run. But anyway, <laughs> we get a great description of these people, this scene. This is amazing. Scarlet's looking for Wolf, he finds her, and she confronts him. Well, first let's talk about her outfit. Yeah, holes in the knees of her jeans and her standard red hoodie. Yes, her standard red hoodie that was a gift from her grandmother. It usually acted like camouflage, but now she was dressed like a chameleon in a room full of Komodo dragons. I like that. I love that line. I thought it was really good imagery. Because chameleons like are supposed to blend in. Komodo dragons are flashy. She feels really conspicuous as the chameleon who should be blending in. I love that. That, like, flip-flop. Yes. To bring it back to the military, when you're on base, I'm slightly out because I'm not wearing a uniform. Mm -hmm. But, like, if for whatever reason Quentin stops at a gas station or something, he's the out because he's in uniform and the people around him are not. And that's obviously... The camouflage that he wears is not going to help him in the city, but (laughs) it's a similar concept where your outfit is meant to conceal you or make you blend in like a wallflower. But when you're in certain situations, you actually stand out. Mm -hmm. Um, Even on base, if you are, my friend Sabo actually works with 
several other branches. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she's the odd man out because she's in the Air Force and there are Marines around her. Yes. Or like when we go to California and all of the and we're staying at naval bases. So it's Mm -hmm. blue. Well, some of their uniforms are changing. But the last couple of times we went, it's the blue digital camouflage. Yep. So she's a chameleon and she's looking around and she doesn't see Wolf and she backs herself into a corner so that she can get a good visual of the entire room. And you came. He just like pops in. Surprise. (laughs) It's a surprise. But I do like that, that he just kind of pops in. And she gets scared, and then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I did want to read, sorry, I really liked that line. Wolf had materialized out of the graffiti and was suddenly beside her. Green eyes catching the dusty flickers of the light bulbs. I love her imagery so much. And he towered a full head over her, so... From this, and then later we find out he's tall, so we have to assume that Scarlet is relatively tall if he's considered tall and it's a full head because the full head that's like eight inches for example quentin is 14 inches taller than me that's more than a head john is also 14 inches taller than me so i feel that how tall is he he's six two is he yeah oh right we're not the same height correct you're two inches shorter but you lie what are you talking about? I lie. Didn't you say the military thinks you're like 5'3 and you never correct them? Yeah, the PT test thinks I am, but I never correct them because it changes the BMI stuff and makes it so I'm not overweight. Hell yeah, I'd be like, I'm 5'5, five five. what are you talking about? But he towered over her and she's like, all right, where is she? Where's my grandmother? And he's like, uh, grandma? 4K? He does seem like he has no idea what she's talking about. The word dumbfounded comes to mind. Yes. 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 Granny, granny who? I love that. <laughs> yeah. And she punches him, but of course he doesn't notice. Why would right. he? <laughs> I also wrote in my notes, be right back, gotta go fight. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> That's true. But she's quick to reach for her gun. She is. She slaps her gun on his tattoo. She's like, hey, I know you have my, my grandma. I know you just let my dad go after torturing him for a week. What's up? And I like the line of His eyes momentarily cleared, but the look was followed by a deep frown, accentuating a pale scar on the right side of his mouth, which we saw in our fan art this week. Someone kidnapped your father and your grandmother. Someone with a tattoo like mine. But they let your father go today? And then we find out later he emphasizes a tattoo like mine, but it wasn't me. So now we have to assume, for some reason it goes over Scarlett's head, but now we have to assume that... Obviously, there are more people who have similar tattoos to him. Ooh. It's a it's alphanumeric tattoo on his wrist. Like, from the get-go, right, that's Nazi Germany. That's obviously, you know, an identifier of some kind. I think it's of on his forearm. Forearm, but, okay. Yeah. But, no, you're right. I'll, I Immediately, when I think of tattoos like that, I picture images of Holocaust victims and their identification methods. My great-grandmother had, or uh, hers was tattooed close to her collarbone. So Scarlet, I mean, Scarlet doesn't put that together. She probably has no frame of reference for tattoos like that being used so distantly in the past. Mm-hmm. Which is, makes me a little sad because that means that she wasn't taught about the Holocaust in school, possibly. And I don't think three to 500 years is enough time to forget it. I don't think it should ever be forgotten. We still talk about 
some of the Holocaust issues that happened uh, in ancient Egypt, because Holocaust is an event that happened during World War II, but it's also a word that represents genocide to an extreme degree in a specific situation. So it is not the only Holocaust. And that was, you know, from several thousand years ago. So I, I, it makes me a little sad to think that perhaps people are no longer studying and remembering those casualties. But it's also possible that she didn't go to public school. Maybe she was homeschooled and, you know, her education was very centered around what her grandmother felt she needed to know. However, her grandmother being in the military, you'd think some of the things they would have discussed would have been history of different wars and strategies and things like that. Anyways, some people don't like to talk about their military time, though. Like my grandfather. Oh, uh, yeah. My dad was in the military and never talked to me about it once. But him and Quentin, my husband, have had several conversations. Yeah. It seems, too, though, from the, a pre, was it two chapters ago where we met her father? And he was kind of babbling somewhat incoherently about what happened on the moon. Yeah. And, you know, the grandmother doesn't like to talk about it. So, it, it yeah, it seems to be that. I would think that she, the grandmother, would be one of those people that would not talk about her military time or her past or the past or... It seems, not from Scarlett's point of view, but from her father's point of view and the point of view of the townspeople, that grandma was a very secretive person. Mm. But for some reason, Scarlett doesn't have that impression of her, which I think is part of why all of this is so confusing for Scarlett, because these people are making assumptions about her grandmother that she doesn't understand. Yeah. But it's like Amy and I talked about in the episode that she guested on. Her grandmother had a very long, full life before Scarlett was even born. There are going to be things that Scarlett doesn't know, may never know, and has no reason to know Mm -hmm. if they don't come up organically. Yeah. I love that he has an alibi. He has a great alibi. He's a very good alibi. He was at the tavern every day for weeks, and he's been at the fight every night for. Yeah, it just says every night, but we find out later he has 11 fights, so. Yeah. So, he has a pretty good alibi. He's been at the tavern for weeks, and this is the first time she's seen him. But we know that Emily talked about her street fighter and how he was always sitting in her section and stuff. So, from Scarlett's perspective, I wonder why it doesn't resonate with her that he's been there for weeks. Because if she really thinks that he was there for her grandmother... Wouldn't that mean that he's been trying to see her for weeks, too? Mm-hmm. Like, her grandma, her dad, and now her, right? So he says he has this alibi, you can ask anyone, and she's like, yeah, these people aren't really trustworthy. And he's like, well, they're not, but you can still ask them. So I like that he agreed with her. They're not trustworthy people. He obviously doesn't find these. This isn't his subculture. These aren't his people. Yeah. He's just there for the fight. Probably yeah. Yeah. Possibly. We don't we don't get any indication that he's a part of the betting system, but obviously when there's bets going on for fights, the fighters receive benefits as well. Yeah, fighters normally receive like a pot or of winnings. Right. And especially since we find out that it's two undefeated, that's going to be a a pretty good pot. So money. But they're having this argument and he tries to leave because he gets called over to the fight and Scarlett says you can't leave. And then she notices that everyone is watching them. So here we get a lot more of this wonderful sexual harassment that apparently still exists hundreds of years in the future. Because all these people 
are ogling her basically and saying that, oh, I'll be taking that one home after I've destroyed Dog Boy's pretty face. Yeah. Well, I think this moment is kind of terrifying if you think about it because it says everyone was watching them appreciative looks darting up and down Scarlet's body. So she's already slightly off kilter being in this area because she's not a part of the subculture. And she's like tunnel vision trying to just deal with Wolf. And then all of a sudden everyone's staring at her. They're taking in her body, not her, her body. And then they start making, like you said, sexual connotative remarks about her and who gets to take her home, which we saw with Cinder in the tavern, that apparently it's still socially acceptable to... Overly sexualized teenage girls. Thank you. Very well said. <laughs> Kiss your brain, as Bethany would say. Yes. So what did everybody think of Hunter? Because I thought he was f***ing terrifying. I thought he was hilarious. Because he's like this... You think that's hilarious? Yeah, I'm kind of effed up. Because he's just like over-emasculated, and that's... That's true. That's very really funny to me. That's true. He is a little cartoonish with the over-emasculization and, like, the bare jaw teeth, like, implanted on his skull. What the? What is that? That is crazy to me. This man is bald, and sticking out of his skull are implanted bear teeth. So if you accidentally bump into him, you could get stabbed with a bear tooth. You could get bitten. No, it cannot possibly be hygienic. (laughs) Hey, I'm just going back. It's a callback to our boy, Thorn. <laughs> I love Thorn. He's like, oh, is this sanitary? Yeah, so this this guy is bald-headed, and he replaced his hair with the teeth of a bear. And he's undefeated, but so is Wolf. Yeah, he is. And she's like, Scarlet's like, you know what? If you just tell me where my grandma is, I'm not going to report you to the police. I'll even let you go warn your friends. I just want my grandma. And then in her head, she's like, but as soon as I get my grandma, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for blood. Where's that at? Page 76. I already calmed the police and they'll be here any minute. If you just tell me where my grandmother is, you can leave. You can even warn your friends if you want. I won't shoot you and I won't tell the police about you. Just tell me where she is, please. And then he goes on to say that he believes that her father saw a tattoo like his. It wasn't him. And then he just climbs into the ring to fight yeah she's all a tattoo like mine what did he meant by that i have it all underlined (laughs) yeah but they're taking bets on the fight he says this and like you said he climbs into the ring she notices that people are taking bets on the fight and yelling and chanting hunter hunter Hunter. and he's lounging around which i thought was funny hunter is like the guy that's ready to go for a fight he's like getting pumped up and pumping his fist and jumping up and down and riling up the crowd and Wolf is chilling. He's leaning against the ropes, almost lounging, like he couldn't care less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this radiating arrogance with one yep. foot up on the ropes, practically lounging. He's just all chill. He's so yes. chill. For sure. This is this is beneath his pay grade. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Uh, and people, like hyping up the crowd, like cussing yes. and growling, and it's like the fight doesn't phase him at all. And Scarlet inner monologue is like well i wouldn't mind if he got ripped to shreds but i do still need information right <laughs> needed answers yep i like all that yeah and this is where we actually literally find out that they're both undefeated hunter has 34 fights and wolf has 11 and they're like jumbotron is just a hologram floating in the air which is pretty rad 
I also want to point out later on, it looks like Wolf is about to kill this guy, which no one seems phased by. So do we think this is 34 and 11 murders or just wins? We'll say Um, wins and then perhaps sprinkle in a few murders. Like in parentheses, murders, question mark. (laughs) Yeah. Here, wait, let's write that down. (laughs) I feel murder. M-U-R-D-E-R-S. It's red rum backwards. Thank you, hon. <laughs> I love this line, too, though, when, they, when they're about to fight. It says, Wolf's concentration darkened into something thirsty but patient. Like, he's so wolf-like, yeah. right? Like, you can just see, like, a wolf, like, drooling but not moving and just, like, looking at their prey. Almost like when a cat is about to pounce. Yes! There's yes. this moment of calm clarity where there's no movement whatsoever and then pounce. I want to make mention that my cats don't do that. Uh, Scamp does that. I have a video of Scamp not moving for four minutes straight. Oh, Scampy Poo. He wanted a squirrel. Of course he did. He didn't move at all for four minutes. It's kind of creepy because his eyes barely blink. He's like just focused, focused, you know? But Wolf seems to be pretty experienced. (laughs) In the fight He's definitely capable. We get a very nice, like, full two pages of this fight scene. I want to point out, because I think a lot of our listeners have probably read Twilight. Books do not always do a good job of explaining an action situation or scene. Twilight is the best example because the first book where Bella gets hit by the van is very poorly described and I don't mean this as a knock against Stephanie Meyer I think the Twilight series is very like underrated and gets a lot of bad flack but it's just those particular action scenes are very hard to describe I thought these two pages were magnificently described I could picture every individual move with clarity I didn't have to reread any sentences I didn't have to go back and try to clarify I just wanted to point out Pages 79 to 81, where the fight was described, I thought was done very well. They're done pretty well. It's spot on. Yeah, it's great. And Scarlet then is watching and flinching and thinking about her father being tortured and her grandmother being kidnapped. Just to point out a couple other things. He shook his head in an oddly dog-like manner. So more indications that he has animalistic behaviors. Remember he said he was good with animals. Yeah. This particular person who seems terrifying. Great with animals. Ha! (laughs) Laughing because you said he's good with... Wolf is good with animals. And old boy who's fighting Hunter has bare teeth in his head. And so he's good with animals. Yes. (laughs) Maybe this is what he meant. We get this other dog-like bit, too, on the next page where he's looking like he enjoys it. And then when his tongue darted out to lick the blood from his mouth, Scarlet grimaced. I definitely see a dog, like, licking his... Yeah. His, uh, yes, absolutely. And the crowd is screeching foul because Wolf is not only starting to win this fight, but to a very severe degree. And mm-hmm. this is when it looks like he's about to fight to the death mm-hmm. because he has his hands on each side of Hunter's head. Yeah. And it's not until he catches and locks eyes with Scarlet, which is what you were just saying, that he okay. even notices something is off. Yeah. yeah. Wolf froze and blinked at her. His eyes flickered, empty and mad one moment, then almost dazed. Empty and mad. So just 
tunnel vision. He's only thinking of the fight. And then Dave's like, oh, right, there's a girl here. There's people chanting. Okay. Like, he is in the zone when he's fighting. That's the Mm -hmm. only thing that's going on. Yeah, his pupils widened. I love that line. This is where you're talking about her being uh, her revulsion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Hunter, like, he just lets go of him. He slumps down, and Wolf has won. But he doesn't care. No. He doesn't stand there to get his arm raised and listen to the cheers. He doesn't bow. He doesn't rile up the crowd. He drops to all fours and pounces and leaves. Another dog-like mannerism. Mm -hmm. Pouncing Mm -hmm. with all four of his limbs. Mm-hmm. But he just leaves, and then a second later we see the cherries and berries. So did he hear the cops? Did he see the lights ahead of time? Did he just remember that Scarlett said she had called the police, and he thought, well, I'm done with my fight. I should get out of here before the police show up. We don't really know. He just kind of takes off, and then we see that the cops are arriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have chaos. We have chaos. people, some scattering, some people staying, like, what's going on, you know, and other people but- like, why would you leave? I'm not afraid of cops. and Yeah, I did like the line about when people were talking about the fight where it said the muttered consensus seemed to be that Wolf was a new hero, but a savage one. I liked that line a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the cops are there. Everyone's scattering and there's no sign of Wolf. She can't find him anywhere. She knows that he went right. She knows that he went right and her ship is to the left. Yep. And so it's either, yeah, follow him or go into her Go into her, her vehicle. vehicle, yeah. She can't leave because she hadn't gotten what she'd come for, but she'd find him again. So she's kind of skulking towards her ship when they hear this sickening howl. And the entire scene, like the night's chatter silenced. Even the loitering city rats pausing to listen. This is eerie. Yeah. And you have to imagine the chatter is not chatter. It's loud. People are running in all different directions. They're grabbing their belongings. They're probably talking loudly. We have police coming in. So that's going to be making a lot of noise. Zebra girl, like standing on a crate laughing at everybody. (laughs) Yes. And like screaming. Like this is a very loud scene. And then a wolf howls and just breaks it into pure silence. Like that's very, like you said, it's eerie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so eerie, and that's where we leave off. I love this! I want to read more. (laughs) Well, that's for next week. So, chapter titles, what songs did you guys come up with? I didn't have anything. What about you? You didn't have anything? No. I came up with Wolf Hunt by Vladimir Vidovsky. I don't know that. I don't know it either. I looked it up. I spent like an hour researching songs that were about wolves and hunting. I encourage everyone to go listen to it. It's actually very lyrically... It's it's very well connected. It's literally about a wolf that goes hunting and how creepy he is and his movements. And it's it's supposed to be in relation to the Soviet Union. Okay. So politically charged, but. Can you put a link to that, like, YouTube, whatever, like, on the Patreon? Yeah. 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 Okay. I can definitely do that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Did we have, I'm sure we had eggs. I think we had three, but I encourage everyone to let me know if I missed any, because I think there was a lot of information in this chapter. And no tomatoes. 
No tomatoes, no gloves, no, no nothing. What was your quote, Becca? Mine was top of page 82. Revulsion burned through Scarlett's nerves. She wanted to look away, wanted to run, but she was anchored to the ground. That is a good scene. Anchored. Mine comes from page 77. I believe your father did see a tattoo like mine. His head dipped toward her, but it wasn't me. It's kind of ominous. It is very ominous. It's like, wait, what does that mean? And that's kind of what Scarlet focuses on for a long time, too, is, whoa, what does that mean? Yeah. What was yours, Bethany? The end of the chapter, of course. <laughs> but never had a wolf's howl sent a chill down her spine like that. Marissa Meyer, she really knows how to end a, end a chapter. To make you want more. Yeah. Yes. And then watch, so, like, we'll pick up with the next chapter and we'll be, like, back with, like, Thorn or something and I'll have yeah. to wait, like. <laughs> That's what she does best. Let's see. With Cinder. With Cinder. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of next week, please read chapters 9 and 10. And this week we had three eggs. And please follow us on Instagram and rate and review and subscribe and check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash pod. And I know Ashley wasn't a fan, but you said you liked my new sign-off idea. I did. Do you think it's too cheesy? She wanted to say stars above. We should be like, stars above, it's the Prince Cut fan pod. Yes, that can be our intro. <laughs> there we go. Is that, I can help you we'll start. Yeah, I like that. That'll be our intro. Good job, Becca. <laughs> I forgot what it was already. I'm sorry, it was late last night. Don't get glamored. Oof. There we go. Well, I'm just thinking about like getting glamoured and then like that's yeah. like <laughs> that's a warning. It is a warning. Okay. So, also, are we stealing from my favorite murders, Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered? Actually, the idea came from one of my Twilight podcasts where they say don't get bitten. They, they probably stole it from Don't Get Murdered. <laughs> it's probably well, an indirect whatever. I like it. I see. And I hate I don't necessarily consider that a stealing because don't get something is not a monopolized turn of no, phrase. <laughs> no, but I know that like my favorite murder is everyone's favorite podcast. I'm not a fan. I'm sorry. I know everyone will hate me for that. I'm not a big fan, but I know that it's like one of the most popular podcasts ever, if not the. It's quite popular, but a lot of people are super over it by now. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, the Twilight podcast that I'm referring to is very old. The first episode came out in, like, 2009. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's by no means a new podcast. Okay. Yes. Until next time, don't get glamored. So don't get glamored. Yes. Don't get glamored. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guests were Ashley Leonard and Rebecca Baker. The logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.